What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? John out here with you. It is a Pistons game night, Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. How's everybody doing out there today? Uh, wasn't much from the Pistons tonight. Is Kelly Oubre Jr., the guy that I remember from a couple of years ago on the Golden State Warriors, who got made fun of, who couldn't shoot, dominated in the fourth quarter as he went 8 for 9 from distance to help the Charlotte Hornets just absolutely decapitate the Pistons. 140-111 on Wednesday night in Charlotte in the Spectrum Center. So that performance that you saw from the Pistons just the other night against the Milwaukee Bucks that kind of surprised you, they followed it up with an absolute stinker. And look, I'm not going to sit here and designate all my thoughts and anger and uh, vitriol into one night for the Pistons because I kind of want to use this like I did with the Red Wings the other night as a podcast and talk about some of these things going forward. And look... You can argue that if Jeremy Grant, Frank Jackson, Corey Joseph, Kelly Olenek, and Isaiah Stewart were available tonight to play, that they would be able to give up less than 140. But I still feel like the Charlotte Hornets are leaps and bounds, a couple of years at least ahead of the Pistons are right now at this point. Because the Pistons are sitting 7-29, and and the Charlotte Hornets improved to 20-19. and So... The Hornets, why I'm saying that they're a couple of years ahead of the Pistons, they certainly sh showed why, because their offense is at the top of the Eastern Conference, and it's just balanced scoring, because we go across the score sheet here, you had Kelly Oubre Jr. finishing with 32 points, Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges, 19, Terry Rozier, 16, P.J. Washington, 14, LaMelo Ball, double-double, 12 points, 12 assists, and he had 8 rebounds as well. But you can't beat anybody going... 24 for 42 from the three-point line where the Hornets were just 72 points by itself just from distance. You're not you're not beating anybody doing that. Uh, pacing the Pistons tonight was Trey Lyles with 17 points. Kate Cunningham, I thought, put in another good performance per usual. 16 points, 7 assists, 2 steals. Pistons will have a short time to think about it as they'll travel to Memphis, take on the Grizzlies tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. So... Grizzlies have been very hot as of late. John Moran, it's been cooking, and uh, it's probably going to be another L for the Pistons. But let's talk about it. Facebook.com slash TBU Gunslinger, Twitter, at John Reinock. Whether you want to talk about Charlotte tonight or you want to talk about the Pistons tonight, I want to kind of bring it into an aspect such as this. <clears throat> We're still a little bit away from the trade deadline, but be that as it may, we need to talk about what this Pistons team's got to do going forward to get better. And I'm not just talking about bringing some of these guys back from COVID once everything gets all settled and squared away. Because I mentioned to you with all those guys that were out tonight, I still believe that the Pistons are a garbage team with everybody back. So when you're talking about the trade deadline coming shortly around the All-Star break and things like that, that's when everything kind of speeds up and then... The way the NBA uh, All-Star game is set up, it's always later in the year compared to every other sport, so it's a sprint to the finish rather than the whole marathon season. But my point being is this. You know, Jeremy Grant, you thought about everything that he did well last year. I'm not talking about the injuries now with the hand and things like that, but he was a really good godsend part for the Pistons as far as putting points in the net because, let's face it, somebody's got to. But it was one of those ones where you thought Jeremy Grant could be a viable option even if this Pistons team was good. You know, if they added two or three more starters in there that you could put out every night, you would think Jeremy Grant would be solid. 
But at this point, the way considering everything is going for the Pistons, it makes all the utmost sense in the world to be trading the guy at the deadline. It's just whether or not, and I know this is a different sport, kind of like Michael Fulmer was a few years ago for the Detroit Tigers winning a rookie in the AL for the for pitching. You kind of wonder if Jeremy Grant had his highest upsell value for the trade deadline last year when he when it wasn't pulled the trigger and you did you know Delon Wright and things like that and you kept Jeremy Grant, but Jeremy Grant's got to be one of those guys that are on the way out. What you can get for him, I'm not quite sure right now because again he has to showcase everything coming off of injury, and teams know that the Pistons are desperate in order to rebuild. So I kind of feel like the value of everything else you can get at this utmost point is low compared to anybody that you move on. And in terms of saying, too, you know, you think about Dwayne Casey, <clears throat> you think about the general manager there, Troy Weaver, and you wonder, like I did especially last year, when you're talking about moving up in the draft, you know, getting Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bey, and whether or not you're going into this season, the 21-2022 season, into the second year, these guys, and you're thinking, do these pieces fit? And, you know, it's hard to talk about all that stuff because, again, with COVID and everything else recently, a lot of these guys, especially Killian Hayes, not only because he was injured last year, but you're missing a lot of time going in from college or things like that overseas, especially for Killian Hayes in France, you're missing time. You're not really going ahead and playing games. So going in there from uh, the Las Vegas Summer League, going in there playing with the Pistons, it can be really quite difficult in that regard. And now in the second year, it really hasn't gotten any easier because the only thing that you've added in of any significance is Kate Cunningham, who's autom automatically proven at this point so far in me in the season he is the best player on the Pistons by far, and he's the only piece that you have going forward that's going to have any substance for this team as far as rebuilding. But, again, when you're talking about Bay, when you're talking about Hayes, and you're talking about Isaiah Stewart, you still don't know within the second year whether or not these three pieces can fit together. So it begs the question, did Troy Weaver really need to move up to get three pieces in order to expedite a rebuild stuff now, or are they still in the same spot or worse than they were last year? In a couple instances... I argue that they're a little bit worse. And yes, I know it's semantics because how can you be worse than being a lottery team and end up getting the first pick? You're still going to be a lottery team this year. I get that. But when you had DeLon Wright, I know he's only a role player to some of you, but you only get a couple second-round picks. Having DeLon Wright and Jeremy Grant, they were a better team last year. And they were a better team last year, honestly, with the guy that's on Charlotte now, Mason Plumlee. And look, I understand that some of you are saying you have to move some of those things for picks to kind of expedite anything for the Pistons because all they really can do right now is rebuild. But when I look at it, and you have Mason Plumlee on the other side, and I look and see how this team is constructed, and I'm going to throw Garza in there. I'll throw Livers in there from the picks from this year, as well as Cade, you have a bunch of guys outside of Kelly Olenek that's been injured, but only outside of Kelly Olenek, that all of these guys are only 6'7 or 6'8. You have a bunch of guys, honestly, in the whole respect, that are nothing but a bunch of small forwards in terms of size, and they don't really bring a lot on the defensive end. The only guy you really have there is Isaiah Stewart, but again, he is an undersized guy, just like Jason Maxiel was. And God, I can't help but think about that Cincinnati Bearcat undersized. <laughs> that wasn't too pleasant. It reminds me of the days of Rodney Stuckey and things like that, as I always used to talk about. So, my point being is this team is very undersized, 
and you have a lot of guys that pretty much play the same position. And look, I understand when you put Olenek and Lyles in there, they're going to have a designated center and power forward spot because that's what they're playing. When you have a guys that are ultimately all the same size, you have all the same misgivings and misnomers in terms of these guys are slow, they can't play defense, they're going to get out-rebounded, people are going to jump over the top of them, etc., etc., etc. So it's really hard to kind of quantify anything of the existence when you say this team can be good when they have a lot of pieces that need to be moved and a lot of things that need to be changed. This is a team, quite frankly, if you want to include Bay, Stewart, and Hayes and Cade Cunningham, you still need eight other players to build around. This is a long time coming for the Pistons, and this is just the very beginnings. And look, we can talk about the history and everything else from the last few years, whether it would be Blake Griffin or I well-documented from a long time ago doing Sports Day and the D shows of Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings of how everything was just one more piece, one more piece, let's make the playoffs and let's see what happens. You know, that was a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Red Wings and that's why it was so difficult and that was a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Tigers and that's why it was so difficult. The Pistons never really wanted to pull that band-aid off and commit to the rebuild. And to Trey Weaver's credit, even though I'm wondering whether or not Bay's, uh, Sadiq Bay. Hayes and Stewart are all the same pieces that are working going forward. At least he's trying to put pieces on the floor, but at the same time, I don't know if they all fit. But what I'm saying to you, this is the first time that the Pistons really have tried to commit to a rebuild. But what I'm also saying is it's going to take a long time, even in the NBA, when you only really need a couple other stars here, and that puts you into uh, proverbial superstar status territory where you can always be a top four seed because that's the way it works in the NBA. The Pistons are a long, long way away from that still. So they're talking about even on the post game with some of the stuff with the Pistons and they're saying the first or second leading score for the Pistons is probably still in college waiting to be drafted and that doesn't really make you feel good. So whether or not you feel this team just got absolutely dominated tonight and it's just one game, or whether or not you want to take the approach that I am, saying that this team still has a long way to go in terms of the rebuild and all that, and you don't know if all of these pieces fit, it leaves you to believe a couple of things. Or always talk about a couple of things. Is Dwayne Casey still the right guy, or should he be shipped out of town like everyone is saying? Oh, there's a mismanage of minutes as far as Luca Garza. You want to see him on the court a little bit more. You want to see him on the floor. Well, there's too many things that need to be answered, let alone for the Pistons right now. It's sitting at 7-29. and 29. The only thing clear right now to me is the Pistons are a lottery team at best. That means a top four pick at best. I still can't believe the Orlando Magic are 7-32. and 32. They have the worst record in the league. I can't believe there's a team that's worse than the Pistons, especially considering there's a couple guys on the Magic that I would take over the Pistons right now, even though they have a worse record. But that's what the Pistons are right now. They're sitting right with the New Orleans Pelicans, the Houston Rockets, and the Orlando Magic as being one of the top lottery teams trying to get another number one pick. And that's all it is. Facebook.com slash TBU Gunsinger, Twitter, at John Reinott. Do you think this team needs to be making some moves at the trade deadline? Do you think it's not going to matter too much? 
Are you already looking toward the draft like I am, whether it's uh, the guy to Duke in uh, Pablo Ranchero or Chet Holmgren on a Gonzaga? I know, look, last time I saw Chet early in the season there for Gonzaga, he's like a seven foot two beanpole shooting threes. But it's one of those things where, okay, I want those guys like you know, Andre Drummond was, where he can get you a lot of rebounds and things like that. I know, granted, he didn't play as much defense as you wanted. But in today's NBA, when you have a guy like Chet that's that tall, can handle the basketball and shoot threes, that might be the way the Pistons are going to end up going. But it remains to be seen how all that's going to work. But what do you think? Facebook.com slash Gunslinger, Twitter, add John Reinhardt. Certainly doesn't get any easier 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow when the Pistons take on the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and just that uh, deep, deep Grizzlies bench. So there's a few other things that I want to mention as we're going to go around the NBA real quick before I close out this uh, Pistons game night show. Let's give you some of the league leaders heading into early 2022 as in uh, points per game right now. Uh, usual suspects here, 30 games played for Kevin Durant, about 30 points a game. Trey Young just behind that, 28.4. Giannis, 28 points. Steph Curry, 27 points. Looking pretty good right there. Going into the assist category here, Chris Paul, still going strong, leading assist at over 10. James Harden, just under 10. Uh, Trey Young, 9.5. DeJounte Murray, that's really surprising me there, 8. assists per game and then now let's look at rebounds and stuff here as well kind of close that out Rudy Gobert Nikola Jokic usually your usual suspects there and there they sit about 11 and a half rebounds a game Clint Capella about nine Jonas Valanciunas eight and a half DeMontis Sabonis kind of on that same point in terms of rebounds and things like that block shots Rudy Gobert Nikola Jokic things like that all kind of sitting in the same spot in terms of your NBA team standings right now, um, I am very surprised at this. I knew that the Chicago Bulls would be a bit better because when you're adding uh, Vucevic, when you're getting DeMar DeRozan, you already had Zach Levine, you know the Bulls are going to be better getting Lonzo Ball and things like that. They're going to be a better team and they should be a playoff team, but considering the fact that they're number one in the Eastern Conference right now with a 25-10 and 10 record, and they've won eight straight going into tonight. Uh, lots and lots of kudos there to the Chicago Bulls. The Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving made his debut again tonight. He's not going to be able to play home games, but he will be able to play road games being unvaccinated. The Brooklyn Nets sit at 23-12. and 12. And look, no matter what happens with Kyrie Irving, it's going to be minutes that won't have to be given as much to Durant and Harden. So I think that's going to come as a welcome change. The Milwaukee Bucks still sitting probably where you expect. 25 and 14, Miami Heat 23 and 15. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Cleveland Cavaliers round out the five and six spots, 21 and 16 and 21 and 17 respectively. And just like it was the year before, the teams within the seven to 10 range will be playing in the play-in, and whoever wins those will be going on into the playoffs. That is the Hornets 20 and 19, Raptors 17 and 17. That's really good for them considering they don't have a lot to work with besides the rookie. Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet, and Pascal Siakam, whether or not you think too much of him. The Washington Wizards, 19-19. and 19. The Boston Celtics, 18-19. and 19. The New York Knicks, really falling off a cliff there, 18-20. and 20. The Atlanta Hawks, again, 16-20. and 20. That really surprises me. They should be a lot better. 
but the Pacers, Pistons, and Magic round out the lot in the Eastern Conference. But let's go to the West here real quick. The Golden State Warriors, 29-7. Suns, 29-8. Jazz, 27-10. The Grizzlies, Nuggets, and Mavericks round out 4-5-6 with 25-14, 18-17, and 19-18 respectively. In the play-in rounds, in the, in the tournament there, you have the Lakers and the Clippers, 20-19, 19-19 respectively, and the Timberwolves and Kings, 17-20 and 16-23. and 23. The Houston Rockets have the worst record in the West with 11-28, with the Pelicans, 13-25, as Brandon Ingram is uh, sitting there and dying right now in New Orleans, and you still don't know what's going on with Zion Williamson and things like that. So, not looking too good. And the Portland Trailblazers, as you would expect, maybe Damian Lillard will be on his way out. And the Oklahoma City Thunder and Sam Presti with like 575 first-round picks are 13-23. and 23, But Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an excellent player. So right now, the confidence and looking and everything else, it kind of goes right where you would expect it to be right now. If I had to mention this right now in January, all the way to a team that I think is going to win it all, it goes without saying here, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. The Golden State Warriors are still my favorite to win the whole thing. I don't care about the Brooklyn Nets and everything else that they have going on with the three-headed monster between Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. It's just my opinion. And then with the Phoenix Suns, I understand that they're always a great regular season team. It's going to be hard to go back-to-back -back all the way into the NBA Finals. This is a great team. Just like the Utah Jazz, they are a great team as well. But there's a lot of these teams that I think about that are just great teams, meaning regular season, they're going to power all the way through and they might struggle into the playoffs. I still quantify that's where the Suns and the Jazz will be. The Golden State Warriors, look, you know, we all talk about Klay Thompson coming back. He hasn't played in over two and a half years. So I'm not going to sit there and put all my eggs in one basket as far as if he comes back, that catapults the Golden State Warriors that much farther. But when you're also adding Jonathan Kuminga and James Wiseman to a Steph Curry that's already playing out of his mind, and no, he doesn't have all the top-heavy numbers that some of these other guys got as far as like James Harden and Kevin Durant and Trey Young and things like that. However, it's about getting wins and losses, and the Golden State Warriors have a lot more wins than losses, and Steph Curry, as always, should be considered in that MVP conversation, as I think he should be. He would be my MVP. He would be the... The Golden State Warriors probably lifting up the trophy at the end of the year. I, again, I just think with Kuminga and Wiseman, Curry, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, everybody else in that rotation, everybody's playing well. And that team is just historically deep, as they've always been. Because, you know, from the last year having to go through the rebuild and things like that, and then just saying, okay, look, that wasn't really a full rebuild. That was just injuries. And then you're going back in there bringing the Golden State Warriors the way that they are. And Steph Curry is playing some of the best basketball he's ever played. Um, it goes without saying that I think the Golden State Warriors are going to be another one of those teams that could be doing it all at the end. And that's my certain favorite pick. Whether or not they make it, who knows. But I'm going to ride or die with that one just like everybody's been doing through the beginning of the year. Because I just don't see any other teams that are going to go ahead and step in front of that at this point. But what do you think? Facebook.com slash GBU Gunslinger, Twitter, at John Ryanot. It was a little, little quick summary of the Pistons game tonight, some of the Pistons' thoughts. A uh, little quick summary around the league. Maybe some of the other things that you're thinking of. 
Look, we're going to get to some storylines and stuff as I've got all the uh, Discord, the website, and everything else up and going now. We're going to be getting a little bit into that a little more. And then especially as the trade deadline hits, I will give you wall-to-wall coverage as well. So this won't be the last time we revisit the NBA. But there's going to be a lot of things that I want to get to as I'm starting to build content again. But I will check back with you uh, later in the week again. This is going to close Pistons Game Night, January 5th, 2022 show. As always, everybody have a good one. And we will talk to you soon. And if you have any questions, just leave comments within YouTube, Discord, all that stuff, Facebook, Twitter. I will get back with you. As always, guys, I appreciate it. Peace.